Welcome to the PathStream podcast. At PathStream, our mission is to prepare students of all ages for high-demand digital skills careers. And in this podcast, we talk to real-world professionals who are working in those high-demand jobs right now to learn about how they got started. We also talk to students who have successfully gone through our programs, we learn more about the humans behind PathStream, and we chat with other leaders in online learning and the future of work to see where this industry is headed. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the PathStream podcast. My name is Anthony, and I'm on the learning design team here at PathStream, and I'm one of your hosts. Today, I'm very excited because I have the chance to talk to someone I work with very closely and have tremendous respect for, Lauren Pizer. Lauren is the VP of Learning Design and responsible for laying the educational foundation for all of our courses. Lauren, so happy you stopped by to chat with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to see all these great questions you've got. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, Lauren, uh, when I think about you, you, you've had such an interesting journey through the world of education, um, uh, considering, you know, where you came from and how you ended up the path stream. So I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about that journey and um, just tell us what your experience has been like um, working in education for all these years. Yeah. Sure. So I started my career in New York City, which is where I'm from, and I worked at a charter school as a guidance counselor. Um, And so I was working with middle school students to help them to get into high schools um, all across the city. And that was honestly where I started, like sort of my passion in this was born because I was helping students and their families to select high schools that they would want to go to and just seeing the vast inequality that was going on in New York City public schools and realizing that like, depending on where you lived, ultimately decided where, what kind of schools you got access to. Um, and, you know, after that experience, I realized that there was a lot that I needed to learn and I didn't know. Um, so I invested in myself and went through a graduate program and moved out to California for a little bit. And that's really where I got introduced to this notion of you know, education startups, education companies that are, you know, pretty well funded and that get to kind of try and experiment with interesting things in the education space. And I really like that idea and that concept of like trying new things and breaking down barriers. And I worked for a number of different startups um, until I landed on my favorite startup, uh, which is Pathstream. And where I've been for the over the last two years. Um, and all of these jobs that I've had, I've always been doing a combination of curriculum design and student experience. So getting really good at how do you create an environment that is conducive to students learning um, and reaching their goals. And that's usually a combination of really good curriculum, but also supports and messaging and you know experiences that layer on top of that for you know, overall student success. Yeah, I think there's a lot um, to unpack there. And I love this idea of you of you kind of figuring out uh, a question that you needed an answer to, but realizing that, you know, you had to invest in yourself to go seek some like further education or further training to, to find the answer. And I'm wondering um, if you can talk a little bit more about what that question was and um, the graduate program that you entered into and, and what that was like and how it either answered that question or maybe revealed 
you know, questions um, that you hadn't quite uh, thought of yet? Yeah, I mean, I recognize how grateful and like lucky I was to be able to do a, a graduate program. Um, that's not the option, you know, for everybody out there. And I, I recognize the privilege in that. But I, when I was working with students, I was helping them and, and working towards you know, understanding what they wanted out of their high school and their college experience. And, you know, if they were behind how we could help them catch up. And what I realized was that I was doing very like manual solutions to really much larger systemic problems. And I felt like I was like, maybe helping, like maybe, maybe very sort of incrementally. And I just felt like there's got to be a way that I can work on a, at a systems level in addition to helping people because I always want to do that in any job that I do. Um, but I need to understand the system, the larger way that we're envisioning higher education um, for me to understand, to better understand how I could affect it on a larger scale. And so I don't think that my graduate program necessarily answered all those questions, but it helped me to direct my energies to what to something next, right? It helped me to understand what do I want to do next um, that'll help me to continue to learn um, and grow and figure out, you know, where my ultimate impact can be. And I'm, I'm definitely a person that just believes in like, as much as you can following the things that interest you instead of necessarily having this, you know, 10 year plan. Um, and so I'm still doing that. And um, that's brought me to pastoring. Yeah, I would, I would probably be on that team as well. Following the, following the interest. I, I subscribe to that philosophy. Um, where does uh, design thinking come into this? Because I know in your graduate program, I, I think this is when you, you became um, really enmeshed in design thinking. And I think you even taught a design thinking class of your own and you certainly brought that to pastry. So I'm wondering where, how does that play in? Yeah. So I, um, I, when I was in grad school, I was like, I learned about design thinking for the first time. And basically design thinking is a way of problem solving um, that uses a series of different mindsets and strategies, but it's really all about trying things and prototyping and you know, using your, your like little prototypes to learn instead of just putting something out there and then being done with it. Um, and, you know, design thing is also really about empathy and talking to your users. And that's something that I was always in love with because I would, I wanted to work with students for so long. Um, but, you know, design thinking just really, really, you know, enthralled me for a while and it still does. And at, at my graduate program, I was able to teach a course um, called Designing Your Life, which is about how to bring design thinking methodologies into how you think about your career and how you think about your life journey. And that's what I meant when I said, like, it's all about exploring your interests, because I don't, I don't, I think we're going to do lots of different things in our lives, we're going to have lots of different careers, and we like a lot of different things. And so a lot of young people today really feel like they have to choose one and figure it out and, and put something down on paper. And I think design thinking or like life design is really about how do you follow your interests and try little prototypes in your life to figure out, you know, what is the thing I should pursue next instead of saying, okay, that's it. I'm going to law school or that's it. I'm going to, you know, become a mechanic. Like you, how do you know that that is something that you want to do until you take a little step and build your way forward with, with prototypes? Yeah, that, that, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. And I, you know, I hear this, this phrase thrown around a lot, 
especially recently, um, this idea of, of trying a lot of things and failing quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the idea there being, you know, just like you said, to get as many data points as you can, to try as many different things as you can, and to see what sticks rather than just choosing one thing and then building the next 10 years of your life around it. My question to you, and I, I think this is a tough question, so I don't expect you to have um, the right answer here, but how do you find the balance between trying a lot of things and failing quickly and mm-hmm. sticking to something when it gets tough and not quitting maybe for the wrong reason? Where, where's the sweet spot between those two things for you? Yeah, I think that's a good, that's an interesting thing to think about. In my mind, the way that I think about it is when you're in the process of building prototypes, you want those little experiments to fail quickly, right? You want to get quick data and quick information. When you've done that, after you've got, had a lot of prototypes that fail or succeed, you might have a kernel of an idea that you want to pursue further and something that you want, that you know is an interest that you want to continue with. And it's at that point that that, that might fail, but you don't you know, your goal is really to see that through a little bit longer than some of those smaller little prototypes. This is a larger prototype. And because it's larger, you got to stick with it longer. And it might fail at the end of it. But sometimes for these larger prototypes, it might take years or or months for you to really get that answer. Um, And so I think it's really about looking at the scenario and the situation that you've set up that you want to learn from and understanding whether this is a quick prototype or whether this is a longer term prototype and using your energy accordingly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess, you know, relating it, you know, to, to maybe some of the courses that we have just to mm-hmm. make it more concrete for me, the way that I would see that is, you know, maybe I try a, a lot of different new digital skills. I, I keep coming back to this idea of like, I like the nexus between creativity and having a more scientific approach. And so I'm curious more and more about this idea of digital marketing. And mm-hmm. I find that after I've run all these little prototypes at that kernel is my interest in digital marketing. And then once I pursue that, I don't wanna just quit at the first sign of difficulty because all of my experiments have told me that, you know what, there might be something here that that is really worth pursuing that um, my interests seem to be directed at. Is that a, yeah. a good summation? That's a nice way to put it. I think that, um, you know, our programs, passion programs are commitments, right, for for students. And so we, we hope and want you to you know, use the internet, use passion resources to explore and see, you know, is this something that you might be interested in? Um, And then coming to us when you've got an idea that this is something you want to explore further, and then helping us to expose you to that career, right? And and show you all the different areas of it so that you can choose, you know, after this program, where are you going to go next, right? And use our program as a jumping off point into that entry level career, that promotion, um, or that completely new field that you are transitioning, you know, to from something else. Yeah. And I, building on that, I'm wondering, you know, now that we're, we're talking more about our programs and um, the learning experience and past stream, you really are responsible probably more than anyone else for, again, like laying down the foundation of what the learning experience here is. I mean, it was just you really when, you know, when we, when we started, um, So I'm wondering, you know, how do you think your education or teaching philosophy, if you could maybe encapsulate that, if it's possible in a sentence or two, and then to talk about how that um, education or teaching philosophy, you know, transitioned into a pastoring course, like how do we see that philosophy today 
when we take a pastoring course? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be clear, my teaching philosophy has evolved um, over my time at pastoring, been influenced by people like you, Anthony, um, and others on the team. But I would say that the first thing that has always stayed with me is that our curriculum has to be student-centered. It has to be focused on getting information to students in the easiest, um, most seamless way possible. That doesn't mean that the learning is going to be easy and that you're going to have an easy time navigating the content, but that this product, this offering was created for you in mind um, and not for the institution that you're a part of or you know, employers, it's for you. Um, and so that the way you see that is in the way that we try to write our instructions and formulate our content and lay it out on the page um, from the words to the videos to the way that you go into the platform and you see your course laid out in there. So it, it really is, is meant to encompass all aspects of the learning experience. But, you know, the second you sort of tie into that is that the, the student centered content is based in the real world and that it is teaching you exactly what you need to know. Because, you know, higher education, traditional higher education is wonderful, but a lot of times it's teaching you things that you don't have to know on day one of the job or day 10 of the job. It's teaching you different theories or philosophies. And while we incorporate a lot of that into classroom content, it's not the first thing you're gonna do. Um, the first thing you're gonna do is learn how to use the tool on the job, because that's what you have to do as an entry level or person starting their career. And so, you know, we try to cut out a lot of that fat that doesn't really serve the student. Um, and so that's part of what's making it student-centered, but it's also, you know, part of our philosophy to base courses in the real world. And that looks like the projects that you do, right? That are based on actual tasks that you would do as a data analyst or a digital marketer. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is just that we work really hard to make our content active um, versus passive. And, you know, I love a good educational video. I love a good textbook. You know, honestly, you can write in it, you can highlight it. Um, videos are great, but really to learn, you have to do something with what you learned and you have to take action. And sometimes that action might be a project and something big, but other times it might be just a little activity where you're leaning into your computer, you're leaning into the experience and you're showing that you understood something that was just taught to you, right? That constant recall we know from learning design and learning science is really valuable when you're trying to learn something new. Yeah, I, I think um, when you were talking, I was thinking about um, my first days as a teacher when I also taught in New York City. I had my first teaching job. I was a member of the New York City Teaching Fellows um, and I was teaching high school in the Bronx. And I just remember that moment where I was in front of students for the first time, or really even the night before thinking about that first day and, and thinking like, oh my God, I have, now I have their attention, but what am I gonna do with that attention? What do I teach them? It's this really, um, it's this really kind of shocking moment that I think a lot of first year teachers go through and probably learning designers as well. And, um, you know, so the reason why I bring it up is because I wanted to ask you about backwards design. Mm -hmm. When we when we think about backwards design as far as creating a course or creating a curriculum, and, and that's so important to what we do on our team and Pastrum in general. And so I'm just hoping you can explain um, for the people mm -hmm. listening what backwards design is and how it can um, help a first year teacher or a curriculum designer figure out how they're going to build a learning experience. Yeah. 
So our courses are taught using backwards design. Um, but what that means is that, you know, there, there are different ways you can design an experience. The one way is that you sit down and you think, okay, I want to teach somebody about marketing, digital marketing. What should they know? Like, what should I teach them? And, and you write it out and you make a list and you maybe do some research and there, there's kind of that forward looking design, right? Where you're just thinking about what do we want them? What do, what do I want to teach? The other way to design is more of a backwards design approach where you start with the end in mind. So you say, where do I want to get the student to after this experience? I want them to be an entry-level digital marketer working at a smaller, medium-sized business where they are able to run social media ads, they're able to analyze marketing data, and they're able to communicate to their managers, you know, the results of marketing efforts, for example. That those things that I said, those, you know, running a campaign, analyzing marketing, that becomes your projects, right? That becomes the things that you do to pass that course or that and earn that certificate. So you're starting with the end goal. You're oftentimes the way we do that is we use job descriptions and we use desk research um, and, and talks with hiring managers to say, what is a successful data analyst doing, you know, in the first nine, 10 months of their job? Um, and we're using that information to inform what we build in our courses instead of sitting down and saying, well, I feel like a data analyst definitely needs to know SQL. Okay, let's put that in the course. It's, it's, it's approaching it from a different perspective. Yeah, and um, it, it's a tremendous help as, a, as a, when you're a teacher to figure out how you're going to build out really um, a year's worth of curriculum. It, it helps as a, as a learning experience designer here at Pastream to figure out what we want students to walk away from when they're done with a course. And I think it's interesting because it, it brings to mind a conversation that I was having with Samad in another podcast interview that, that, that we did not too long ago. And he was talking about in terms of student motivation, um, uh, one, Matt, you know, envisioning the community that you're a part of and the community that you're trying to serve by uh, gaining the new skills and maybe improving your professional life. But two, imagining a future state for yourself mm-hmm. and then moving backwards from that and trying to figure out, OK, these are the steps that I need to take to get to that future state. And to me, that sounds a lot like backwards design. So I'm wondering, have you ever used backwards design in other areas of your life or encouraged people to do so? I I think I certainly have. I think it really dovetails nicely with what we were talking about with design thinking, because design thinking is a way to build your way forward by kind of trying out small things and then saying, you know what, I'm going to take some time to pursue this because I've gotten data, I've talked to people, I figured something out about what I want to kind of what where I want to go or where I think I want to go. So I'm going to pursue that. And I think that with backwards design, you know, you're looking at this situation and saying, okay, I have an idea of where I want to go. And now what are how can I organize my efforts, my other my next set of prototypes, right, so that I can kind of get to that next place. And so you know, you could see backwards design as as kind of continuing on the process of a lot of design thinking um, efforts. And and yeah, I think that in terms of my personal life I, or or my other areas of work, um, I think about it in terms of like, you know, when I'm designing trainings for the team or when I'm designing and thinking about the experience of the pastoring team, right? How do I want them to feel? How do I want them to be able to design curriculum? It's the same process, right? So it's, it's, it's showing like kind of here's the way the curriculum is going to look and how it should look in terms of all of our teaching philosophy and how can I get this team there? 
um, and how can we get there together? Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think it segues nice and nicely into my next question, which is when you think about that future state um, of yeah. Pathstream as a company, um, what most excites you about where we're headed? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, I am really, I'm really excited about the ways in which our curriculum can be enhanced by technology. Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, when you go into a Pastream course, you experience our platform, right? You experience our interface where you see our lessons and the labs environment and the quizzes and the projects. And I want to really think about how we can use technology and engineering and product to take learning to the next level, because you know, words on a page are, you can do a lot with words on a page, but when you've got this really interesting environment, you know, a, a technical environment around it with different features and different ways that you can augment the learning experience, that's really magical, right? That's where really things can can get off the ground. And so I'm really excited to think about what features we can build in our platform that enhance learning. Um, I'm really excited about how we can build new content in other areas, right? New academic areas, new learning areas that would really serve students today. Um, and also, you know, thinking about how we connect students um, to one another, right? And that's something that we do a little bit of at, at Pastream, but it's certainly an area where I'd like to think more of, of like, how can we create a community of Pastream students that can not only support one another, but can support us in helping us make our, our programs better and, and more efficient. And so there's a lot around community that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think uh, me as well, like community um, connection. I mean, that's really what this this podcast is about to a large degree. It's to it's to to show, you know, our students, hey, th these are the people that are behind Pastream. Um, this is this is how we think. This is what we're passionate about. Um, this is what we're excited about for students. And we just want to give people an opportunity to see us, um, to get to know us to reach out to us, to connect with us. You know, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking, man, there's, there are probably a lot of students who are really curious about design thinking and backwards design and maybe want to get more into, um, they want to get more in depth with those concepts. And so these are the types of things that, you know, people listening, if you're interested, shoot us an email, you know, we will, we'll put all of our contact information um, on the YouTube page or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to have it available for you. And so, any opportunity we can get to connect, I think that's um, something Lauren, myself, and everyone else is very excited about. Um, Lauren, it is gay. It's getting late. We can see that it's it's dark in uh, San Francisco, so it's been a long day. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but I always like to end these with a burst of optimism. Optimism is uh, something that I think we all would like a little bit more of these days. And, and with that, I'm going to leave you with this question. Please take it any way you'd like. What is the nicest thing that someone has ever done for you? So I heard about this question, Anthony. I heard that it was, it's a part of the podcast. Um, and I thought about it. And I've still been thinking about it. Um, and what I came up with was that, as I mentioned earlier, my family is all in New York City. Um, and I live in San Francisco now. And my mom is very, she, she loves coming to visit here and I get to go see her, but I know that it's sad for her that I'm not, um, I'm not there with her in New York. And so one of the nicest, kindest things that she's done is honestly, like 
encourage me to be here, right? And encourage me to be in another part of the world of the world pursuing something that's interesting to me and that I'm passionate about. Um, and letting me do that and encouraging me and not, you know, nagging me too much to come back home. Um, and so that's just a real show of, of kindness, I think, at the end of the day of someone really wanting you to prioritize your growth, your learning, um, and your development, even if it means that, you know, it's not as good for them. So I'm very grateful for that. Shout out, shout out to Lauren's mom. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's no, I mean, I think, yeah, obviously that's, that's the sign of a great, a great coach, a, a great mentor, a great teacher, great parent. Um, so wonderful way to, to end the episode. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time. We got to do it again. Thanks so much, Anthony. Wonderful. Right. hosting. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about PathStream, please visit pathstream.com or follow us on social media. And if you think you might be interested in starting a PathStream course, visit pathstream.com slash programs. That's P-A-T-H-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash programs. Until we talk to you again, happy learning.